Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP Club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Astrid Carter, Lou Huff, and Sherlock's contributor, Georgina Blasky. Welcome, Georgina. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. Nice to be here. So we always start our podcast by talking about what we've been watching and listening to. So what's everybody been tuning into this week? Well, I watched uh, last night on Catch Up, because I think it was on Tuesday last week, was The Split, which is a new BBC drama. It's about three sisters and their mother, and they've set up a divorce law practice and they've all followed in the footsteps of their mother and one of them the oldest has split away from the family firm obviously it's also the split in marriages because it's all about juicy divorces and lots of things going on there and there were just so many ties coming together of different relationships and things that are going to happen it's all you just know it's all going to kick off and it's it's going to be really good bbc do love doing a um law drama don't they they do yeah and they do it well So it's solicitors. We've had barristers before with sales and things, but this it's really good. Really, cool. really good. Yeah. Ashley, what about you? I was in Lake Como for a few oh, days, yes, you were, so could watch it. any TV, obviously. <laughs> oh, I did go to the cinema. Ooh. I went to the cinema on Friday and saw Beast. Okay. Oh, so really good. good. It's really good, but I'm kind of on the fence because it's set in Jersey, which is where I'm from. Um, so there's so many references to Jersey and I just can't get them out of my head. So for someone who doesn't have any of those kind of like points of reference, it must be completely different more. Is it quite hard to disconnect from like completely. assessing whether it's correct? Yeah. But I mean, it's been coined as like the best British thriller in years. What's so it actually about? It's about a young girl who is slightly dysfunctional. She meets a guy. There's that kind of love story. But is he bad? Is he good? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth a watch, but I just can't kind of remove myself from yeah. knowing all those references anyone famous in it so there's the actress uh, Jessie Buckley who you might know from War and Peace she's absolutely amazing in it she plays the main character I had that thing you know when you finish a Netflix series and then and it was so good and you were really into it and then you can't find anything <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, and you know that you can't, you can't move on to something yeah. rubbish you have to find something really it's good like, yeah. you have to kind of like mourn yeah, I needed. I tried to go straight into something else. What was it? Uh, it was the Defiant ones, which I think I've spoken about on the oh, podcast so before. Good, yeah. It's so good. It's a four-part documentary about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine, who are massively successful in their own right, but then also they created Beats by Dre and then sold it to Apple, and it's about their journey, literally from childhood to how they. Oh, I'm gonna have to watch uh, that. Oh my god, it's fascinating. The Defiant, the Defiant ones. ones is a four-part series, and I thought it was eight parts. I was halfway through the fourth episode, and I was like, "This feels a lot like a <laughs> final episode." And then you know, you know, you're like, oh, I had not emotionally prepared. Anyway, so that's finished. But no, I actually listened to an amazing podcast 
last week. It's Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. It's not as wishy-washy as it sounds. And, and I haven't listened to them before, but she interviewed Amy Schumer, who I am obsessed with. And she's got a new movie coming out this week called I Feel Pretty, which has been really controversial, but I think is an amazing premise. I think there's a piece going live on the site about it later yeah. this week. And it's just an amazing, amazing interview between two unbelievably inspiring women and two women who you know aren't like conventional in their career paths but actually have become an amazing success not even just in spite of that but like because of that they've like harnessed that and you know use it to their full potential so I really really recommend a download for everybody one more thing I'd recommend seeing is a play called Consent which is at the Harold Pinter Theatre and it's about barristers in a rape case who are friends but they're representing both sides and it also goes into their personal relations as well so it's it just has you hooked on so many levels because you just can't believe how they can come out of these quite traumatic trials and then carry on the conversation at home or have banter with their friends who they've been up against in court. It's just a world I don't know much about, so it was really felt like you were getting under the skin of, of these people. So that's one to book. We all know that loneliness is on the rise in Britain, so there's never been a stronger incentive to build a good social circle. But it's probably harder, I think we'd all agree, to make friends in adult life than it is when you're a child. Has anyone got experience of making adult friends? Yes, definitely when you have a baby. You enter this very intense, which could be very isolating, time of your life and you get very deep connections very quickly because you're talking about really intimate details and your other friends who haven't got kids don't want to hear about it and you don't want to sort of demystify motherhood too much. <laughs> so it's really nice to have this outlet of people. Mm. And I think you get bonds really quickly. And have you kept those friends from when your children were babies? Yes. Day? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, we've got a big reunion on Sunday of firstborns and mums. So that would be really sweet. Yeah, so it trickles down to the next generation as well, that they know you have this bond. Yeah. And they know they met when they were three days old, so they think this is very cool. So remind us how old your your oldest is. So my oldest is 12. This (laughs) is why it's in May. We're having a 12-year reunion. And then a little nine-year-old. Yeah. And what about adult school friends? So making friends at the school gates? Yeah. Is that also a thing? It is a thing, and it's really strong again because you're there every day but you do get some school gate chats reflective of <laughs> playground behavior at times okay, so it's quite good to take a step back from that okay, one sometimes interesting. but generally okay. again yes it can be it's a really good opportunity Lou what about you um, I've actually made some really great friends through work I think you know you're still my school friends are some of my best friends and I think you know you're really thrown into those relationships as you as you go through things as you grow up but then the relationships I think you make in your adult life are often just as strong because I think you know much more about who you are and what you're into and then you bond over things you're both into Mm. so I think it's different it's it's less circumstantial I think when you get older and more on common ground from you know whether it's interests or it's your thoughts about things yeah so I think I've yeah I've made some really great friends who were I think that's such a good point like when I think about the friends that I've made later in life it's people that you have stuff in common with whereas actually my school friends who are my best friends yeah on the surface we don't actually have very much no and I think 
think if you often think, okay, if I met you now, mm. would we be as good <laughs> friends as we actually are? Yeah. Because you haven't got all the history behind you, totally, things yeah. that you've gone through, you know, as you've developed into later life. But I always think that's quite interesting. You almost have two separate sets of friends. Yeah, and yeah. two separate sides of yourself almost. As yeah, well. I yeah. Think you talk about. I think that's really nice to have that. But yeah, definitely, I think there's a difference. Definitely, Astros. So I'm kind of quite similar. Lots of school friends who I would call my like core best best friends. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's loads of girls who I consider really good friends now who I've met either through work or through friends of friends Mm -hmm. as an adult and yeah I think it's just like you know when you're a bit older it's there's no bullshit Mm, so you don't try hard you don't try and build a relationship Mm -hmm. around something that you don't really think's there so you know there might maybe fewer friends you make as an adult but Mm. they're definitely like better how acceptable do you think it is if you meet friends of friends who you get on really well with how do you form your own relationships with them without it being controversial without stealing stealing them (laughs) yeah because people can be really touchy about that kind of thing i well there was a case Mm. where one of my friends came to my birthday party and she tried to kind of like make plans with all my existing oh, friends but not include me <gasps> I was no, not like not like um, sneakily yeah. not sneakily she was quite new to London and I okay. think she just wanted to make friends make friends yeah but yeah, I did actually. I felt quite offended by yeah. it. I was like, they're my friends. You kind of resorted to quite childish behaviour. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was totally childish yeah. of me. But I was like, no, 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 they're my friends. <laughs> and Charlotte, you had quite an interesting yeah. chat this week. Didn't I you? did. I went on. Well, it wasn't a blind date per se, but a girl I had met through work about a year ago messaged me on Instagram asking if I wanted to go for a drink. Obviously, in a friendly capacity. I kind of at first was um, no, not. I wasn't taken aback at any point, but I don't think I would be forward enough to or kind of, or brave enough I suppose is the right way to describe it to, to say that to somebody because this piece actually says that this uh, psychologist that we spoke to says as we age we get more into our heads about the judgment of another person or the thoughts they may have about us and I think I'd be really nervous to be seen as a bit of a weirdo <laughs> if I just you know if you're trying to strike up a friendship with somebody at this I age but, but actually I think it's a really lovely idea yeah, I think yeah. if you meet someone that you have a connection with it's really nice to embrace mm-hmm. that and act upon it and I I think if that means putting yourself out there Definitely. and saying you for a drink I would be really flattered if someone asked me so yeah take it as a compliment, I, I think I've really learned that from this experience yeah. that was you know and also it's that's a good networking opportunity as well within your industry yeah. and as you say if you know we're talking about making friends with people that you have stuff in common with but if you don't know where to find those people then yeah I suppose if you meet one then you yeah, should kind of definitely yeah, to it I had friends who I've met as we were talking about earlier at the school gates where you kind of want to take it to the next level but you're not really sure how and then actually we've done things like go to an art show or something Mm. together or do something where you're both there's something you're interested in so at least then you can see if you do really get on and that you don't have to just sit and have those awkward moments yes. because you're actually doing something you're yeah. walking around looking mm-hmm. at something and, but that, it's and a that's bit like quite, dating yeah, though, yeah. You, ha- you really have to kind of woo yeah. new friends don't you this piece actually said that it takes about 50 hours of time with somebody before you consider them even a casual friend Ooh, 50 I know that's a long time it's really long time and you have to spend about 200 hours to become close friends with somebody I mean 50 hours seems like a lot mm. for I think yeah. two hours of that girl last week and I definitely yeah. say we were casual friends I also feel like <laughs> Like you'd probably be the best version of yourself because you'd sort of slightly be trying to not show off but like impress them yeah whereas I guess if you're with your friends that you know they know you inside out you're probably it's not it's less relaxed yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. so they can see through but in, a, in the same vein it's quite a nice opportunity you know how people always say that like if you've got something going on talking to somebody removed from your situation is quite helpful it's, yeah. quite, it's quite nice to somebody who doesn't really know much no about you yeah. yeah no judgement you can reinvent yourself a bit yeah. because yeah. when you're with your old friends everyone's pigeonholed as the quiet one yeah. 
yeah, the one yeah, that drinks so too much, true. the one who does whatever. And actually, it's quite nice to just shed all those labels yes. and go yes. in fresh. Definitely, with yeah. And be the you that you feel is most appropriate to you. At yeah, at that time, yeah, yeah. Yeah. with that person. Yeah. yeah. So, how did yeah. your date go? It went so well. We, well, I drank quite a bit, so by the end, the first time. But yeah, it went really well. It was really. I don't really have that many friends. Like all my my school crowd are in completely different industries. This girl's in a, you know a similar line of work, and it was really nice to be able to talk. We mostly talked about work and jobs and, nice. and similar interests and that was yeah it was really lovely to have that with do you think that'll be a second date? I really hope so <laughs> we wrote a piece about a dating agency with a difference the stalk matches single people who want a baby there are two different ways in which it works the first is it sets up people romantically both of whom have the intention of having a child soon the second is a non-romantic pairing just allowing people to co-parent a child I feel like there's probably some kind of moral question in this what's your kind of gut reaction I know it's quite controversial, but I actually think it's a brilliant idea. If there's two people, maybe of a certain age, and they're at that time in their lives where they're really ready and really want to have a baby, but they haven't found that person to have the baby with, like, why not try yeah, and go I down? Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, and, you know, this agency doesn't just hook people up to have a baby. They mm-hmm. hook them up to find love and, to, you know, find that, that person mm. before if you move are on. If, if you're yeah. interested in that. So I think it's a great... I think it's really modern really cool yeah it's a really modern take on it and as you said Astrid there are people who are at a certain age who are are just really feel ready to have a baby and to find somebody else that also shares that and you can kind of do that together I think and eliminate the awkward dating process where you're like okay right really what I need to get down to just let you know that I really just want a baby right now so many people would be massively put off by that so I think to know that two people are in the same boat Mm -hmm. And bring them together, I think it's a great opportunity. And as a woman, like, you know, the clock is ticking. If it hasn't worked out that way, Mm -hmm. and you are kind of worrying about... And let's not forget the men out there. I think there are so many men who are keen to get started having a family and feel somehow that, because they don't have the same biological clock ticking, it's somehow not acceptable to admit that they want it or that they should Mm. just keep hanging out. And maybe they don't want to wait and wait and end up with someone half their age they want to have a child with someone the same age as them and they want to get on with it so it's a great opportunity for them to to be able to get started on that and I think I've also heard about cases where friends have come together and they've kind of had like an informal contract and said well you know if we're not with someone when we're both 35 why don't we just get together and have a baby and do you think it's fair on children you know playing devil's advocate can you be brought up obviously there are so many different ways to bring up children that aren't just a kind of nuclear family but do you think having parents who are split when they make the decision to conceive a child can you bring up children stably in that environment I imagine actually you could probably bring them up more stably than parents who then get divorced because you've got all the emotional repercussions Mm -hmm. of that whereas actually there's probably less emotion involved in this it is more of a contract Mm -hmm. in the couples who are getting together to have the baby not the ones Mm. who are trying to date first but there might be less emotional impact I don't know if it's the ideal but it is it's a futuristic way of looking at it as you said this piece actually makes that point Um, the store faced quite a lot of criticism and they've said people might criticise what we do on the basis that children should be born to a couple quotation marks in love but given that over half of all marriages end in divorce and a large proportion exist in a loveless or sexless state how is co-parenting any worse in comparison I think that's a really good point would anyone here do this further down the line Astrid? I totally would if I was like approaching 40 still hadn't found someone 
and mm. you know, desperately wants a baby, I totally would do this. And also, I don't think it's about being brought up into a loveless relationship because I think it's more about the love that you get from the parent, whether mm-hmm. that's an individual mother and father separately. I don't think they necessarily need to be together yeah. in order to have love for the child yes. I think it's about that yes and I think if you kind of it's like an all cards on the table yeah. situation just you know no one's pretending anything no and it's all up front then exactly absolutely yeah jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it blue nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We wrote a piece last week about the truth about sugar because with the government's sugar tax now fully in place, sugar has never been more in the spotlight. Georgina, I'm really interested to know, as a mother, how do you keep your children away from the sweet stuff? Uh, not very successful is the answer to that question. I find it really hard and I'm constantly looking for delicious, healthy options that will fill this gap. If you're on any kind of online supermarket and you type in healthy kids snacks, you get all this dried fruit kind of bars and twists. It's really shocking because you then realise that a lot of tooth decay that children have is due to things like raisins and these sweet dried fruits sitting in their teeth, particularly things like dried mango and things like that. So I find this really hard. And I also think the problem is from a young age that you kind of give sweets as a reward and cake and oh you've had a long day at school have a biscuit Mm -hmm. oh let's have some afternoon tea with cake or it's your birthday and it's a cake and I think that that doesn't help that we have this emotional connection to Mm -hmm. sugar very early on but if I rock up to school with an oat cake with hummus (laughs) that's not gonna that's (laughs) not not gonna go down well no so what would you give them as treats that you would feel comfortable giving them and they would also enjoy well, it's it's the cookies. I mean, I'm not comfortable giving it to them. Yeah. I, it's more that they'll have it, but they'll have a small bit of it. Um, moderation. Moderation. I mean, I do remember coming home and sitting there with my packet of jammy dodgers yes. and working my way through it with my sister. Um, it's like a daily ritual. Totally. I think, you know, obviously so much of it is down to education, but, you know, I didn't grow up with parents who were uneducated, but I remember, so you know, I ate sugary cereals every single morning, and but what was considered to be balanced was shreddies because they were telling you on the, you know, in the adverts that those were what gave you good brain power or whatever. But even fruit, like, I was not allowed to leave the dinner table until I'd had a piece of fruit, but actually now we're being told to avoid it because of the sugar content, and I think the tables have just turned. The advice is that you're meant to have 10 portions of vegetables to two portions of fruit. That's apparently a correct balance. Wow. Uh, I just... I don't even know in a day how I'd get through 10 portions of vegetables and have room left for two portions of fruit. It seems like a lot. But I think that's where so many people get it wrong when when they hear the five, or what used to be five a day and now 10 a day, fruit and veg, they think, oh, well, I have 
the majority of that fruit mm-hmm. and then a couple of veg which is just not no, not so ideal true. Yeah. no you're quite a fruit addict yeah Do you exactly. like to satisfy your sweet tooth or I just really like fruit growing up it was always quite a healthy household my dad actually works in the sugar industry so has quite a unique approach <laughs> to this but I really think it's really about balance and, and there was a really interesting programme about two it was a, from a while ago but it was on catch up the other day and it was about two twins who had one had a really severe sugar diet and one had a really high fat diet and the effects that it had on them and they actually found I think in the end that it wasn't really about one or the other and actually the worst thing was the combination of the two so I know there's a lot a lot in the media about sugar and I definitely try to have as much natural sugar as I can and try to avoid more refined sugars but I definitely wouldn't cut it out altogether because I think you need it. Mm. Ashley has your relationship with sugar changed? in the wake of all the media hype about it? Um, I wouldn't say my relationship's changed in the wake of the high. I think I've always been a bit wary of sugar. When I was a child, I really didn't have a sweet tooth. Like, I would never go for the pick and mix. My brother was the complete opposite, and he's had so many fillings, and, God, if he's listening, he's going to be so pissed off. <laughs> sugar just doesn't really, like, agree with me You're that well. so lucky. Like, it gives me a real spike. Yes. I've got quite, like, fluctuating That's blood sugar levels. So if I have too much sugar, I really, really feel it. So on the one hand, that's a bad thing, but also it's probably steered me clear yeah, of the sugar. Yeah, actually avoid it. Everything's just so conflicting. Oh, my God, yeah, it's so stressful. I, I agree. A 2015 YouGov survey found that nearly 9 million people in the UK had pulled a sickie in the previous year. So duvet days are an initiative to try to combat that. Lou, you know some people who've had this in their companies, right? Yeah, I think a lot of American companies do it. And it's essentially part of your holiday allowance. And I think you can basically say, I think even the day before you mm-hmm. can say, I'm going to have tomorrow off as a duvet day. But I think it's a really cool initiative. Do you? Yeah. Is it? Definitely. What? So, so the idea is basically it stops people pulling sickies, but also from, you know, being ill or you know it gives you an opportunity to kind of recuperate if you're whatever tired hungover to try and stop people kind of burning out essentially so is that is that the context in which you'd use it or do you think it's great if you just like fancy a shopping day no no I think definitely as you said to sort of recuperate yourself I think if you work in a very busy environment people can get quite bogged down and potentially come to the office and not be as productive as they perhaps could be Mm -hmm. so it maybe it's a good opportunity to be able to revitalize yourself but saying that I'm sure people abuse the system and just you know <laughs> yeah. go for it all day and then probably feel just as shit the next day yes yeah, so <laughs> true I know quite a few people who used to work or still work for this big media company in London and they have duvet days I think they get two a year or mm-hmm. something and yeah it works really well I think it has like transparency that media agencies always have very young teams so maybe they have more people pulling sickies yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know but um but yeah, it works really well for them. I'm sure they have to put some rules in place, like yeah. after the Christmas party, not everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's in the office. But I don't know. I think it's quite a nice idea. I think it's a really good idea if you work in a big company like that. But I know if we were if, you know, somewhere like Sherlock's Oh, where, we couldn't do it There's here. no way we could do it here. Because if you work somewhere where every single day every team member is so integral to kind of yeah. what you're putting out that like we all know that if one of us wasn't here yeah, just yeah. the drop of a hat without a really good reason it would really have a massive impact on everybody else's workload yeah. um, so I think I don't think it's very teamly personally no definitely in a small yeah. team it doesn't yeah. work I think it has to be in a much bigger corporation where there are other people that won't be so heavily influenced directly by yes. your leave of absence yeah. yeah that's what I couldn't understand I just thought 
if you've just been dumped and you're too heartbroken to leave your bed or if you've had a big night which you weren't expecting to have how you can phone up that morning and what happens the whole schedule of meetings and plans just is dropped because one person's not there and then if you're planning it ahead it just didn't really strike me so I was a bit confused but I do remember going into work on my first job very very hungover and deciding that I would lie down by my desk (laughs) at lunchtime because I just felt so shocking (laughs) I really could have done with a DVD that day that would have been good we also wrote a piece I think quite recently about places where you can have pods within your office so you can go and have an afternoon nap sort of whilst you're in the office brilliant I don't Do you know. think? Oh yeah. my god! I think unless you're at like a law firm where you're yeah. working till you know, it's yeah, if you work in ridiculous I don't think you can leave work at six and expect to have a nap no, at three. And personally. also after, after an afternoon nap, I definitely am not productive. I feel quite cozy and I want to... Yeah. You know, so also, good. like, who could get like fall asleep in yeah. the hot yeah. at work? And also how rude. Like, if you're all in the middle of working, yeah. you're like, okay, bye guys, I'm off. I'm no, no I disagree. Really? I know that I can do a 20-minute power nap can and you? you set an alarm. Really? Apparently, if you don't sleep over 20 minutes, yeah, you don't get into the deeper sleep cycle. But can you get... How long does it take you to get to sleep? Well, you have to be really issue. tired. I mean, this isn't a daily occurrence, but the thing to do is you're meant to have a coffee then go to sleep because the coffee takes 20 minutes to work so then you wake up and you are super sparky interesting so okay well we'll put it to Georgie then (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about body image we interviewed journalist and author Radhika Sangani who is breaking down beauty taboos with her hashtag side profile selfies campaign she grew up with a big nose those are her words and at the age of 27 decided to put her insecurities aside and take a side profile selfie and this hashtag's now gone viral and loads of people who aren't necessarily fans of their noses have been sharing the same thing. Do we think this is something that helps with an insecurity? I quite admire her for putting her biggest insecurity out there on Instagram because I think we all love to put a filter on something or scroll through to choose the right shots. And I I didn't really fully feel she was alone with her big nose, (laughs) as she calls it. Um, I thought her nose actually was... Fine. So I then looked at other people who ran with big noses who were in the public eye. And I was looking at like Owen Wilson, Sarah Jessica Parker, Erin yeah. O'Connor. Mm-hmm. But with their big noses, I think comes often amazing structure. They yeah. all actually have really strong cheekbones and jaws and, yeah. and everything just looks... It's like good scaffolding on their face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I thought she was being sort of doing herself a bit of a disservice. Well, I agree. And I think when I saw the pictures, maybe why I'm confused by this is it didn't really look that big. So it didn't really look like it should. I mean, obviously, it's it's personal to you. So it's an insecurity yeah. that maybe other people can't see. But well, I can speak from personal experience that I don't think the celebrity comparison helps. I've always hated my pale skin and always, always wanted to be darker skinned. And I remember when I was younger, my mum saying to me, oh, but look at Nicole Kidman or Kate Blanchett and, you know, look at these women. And I would be like, you know, that's great that Nicole Kidman is also pale, but she's also incredibly beautiful and tall and skinny and I don't look like that. So it's not a helpful comparison. I think a public campaign where normal, in quotation marks, people are sharing that they have this insecurity or blemish so to speak too that actually that's more helpful than the celebrity comparison because you don't feel so isolated with with that insecurity if that makes sense yeah I agree I I personally have always hated my nose and I would never put a picture up of myself from the side ever so I'm totally with Radhika I think it was cool and I think it's really empowering to kind of put yourself out of your comfort zone it's obviously something that she's struggled with Mm -hmm. personally whether like that sounds might sound very superficial but as women you are always kind of looked at for your 
judged for your looks. Everyone or, has yeah. insecurities, yeah. don't they? So I think it's cool. I, f- I feel like she's she probably feels really empowered by this. And if it helps, like, a few women out there, mm-hmm. then, then what's the harm? I always say I didn't like my big nose and somebody sent me her feature. It's like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's and do you think these are things that, like, people grow out of? Like, do you think you'll grow out of, like, wanting to always be... No, never. 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 That's just... That is just... That is my insecurity. That's just my thing. And if you had that... My through whole your life. life, yeah. Always. Always, as long as I can remember. So it's a bigger conversation, isn't it? About yeah. how... We look how we measure ourselves. Deep down, are we all just really vain? And we, yeah. you know, or we think we need to conform to a certain way of looking. Yeah. So, and there's definitely problems with social media in enhancing these problems that everybody has. And, you know, the, in the age of the selfie and how much is documented for other people to look at. Mm. And you don't know how many millions of pictures they've also taken to get that one where they think they look okay or how many filters they've put put across it and snapchats where you know your skin looks better and your Mm. face shape changes like it's crazy what instagram and social media is doing to people's insecurities you know you might be able to find role models for people who have x y or z but if your if your insecurity feels a little bit more niche like big nose then those are you're not finding the kind of counter for that on instagram there's no back huge backlash against that like there is with other types of body image issues so i think it's really nice that somebody has raised it themselves Mm. Mm. and it's definitely a personal thing like there'll be a thing that you have an issue with so Mm -hmm. you look out for in other definitely so there's also winnie harlow who's on lots of magazines and on instagram with skin pigmentation Mm -hmm. issues but the fact they're going having their picture put on newspapers magazines as well as on instagram just highlights that you know, all humans look different. We all have our issue and we just need to try and normalise things yeah. and not have the normal as being a model, basically. Yeah. And they've really embraced that and made that their defining feature, which mm. is incredible and really inspirational, I think, for young women who are growing up in this world of insecurities. That chat ties in really nicely to our Monday muse of last week, who is a less than conventional style icon. It was Iris Apfel, who is the 96-year-old fashionista who seriously breaks the mould. Isn't she fabulous? She's amazing. She just kind of like doesn't care what she looks like mm-hmm. or who she impresses. Like she just wears anything she wants but still completely rocks it. Mm-hmm. And has such a signature style. Like yeah. I think if you saw her outfit laid out, you'd know exactly who totally. it was. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well the glasses would be a giveaway. And, all, and yeah. all the huge bangles. Yeah. And, and like it's so ridiculous what she wears, but she's clearly got such an amazing eye yes. that when it's put together, it's like this amazing painting. Yeah, it was yeah. so. When I was researching this piece, obviously I was reading all about her, and I hadn't realised the reason she's famous is she had a textiles business, and she basically was the interior designer for the White House for nine different presidents in total so literally from Eisenhower through to Clinton which is absolutely amazing so she obviously as you say has a real eye and she travelled the world and she's picked up all these incredible knickknacks and gems and if you ever it's so worth looking at the Architectural Digest um, coverage of her home as well which is just this treasure trove of amazing pieces collected on her travels Ashley you've watched a documentary about her yeah I think it's still on Netflix um, so do give it a watch if you haven't but it's amazing the relationship between her and her husband, who now has sadly passed away, was just so sweet. Mm-hmm. They never had children. They actively chose not to. So they could travel the world and find all these like amazing pieces of art and fabrics. And that's obviously where she got her inspiration and mm-hmm. her talent in, in her career. And isn't it so refreshing to have somebody so in the public eye and so revered by the fashion industry mm. as well, who isn't that conventional 
style icon. Completely. And yeah. she's on so many like massive campaigns. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And she's 96. Yeah, yeah. That's old. amazing. Really, yeah. I love the quote that she said about her personal style. There's no how-to roadmap to style. It's about self-expression and above all attitude. Like how amazing yeah, is that? She's so sassy. And also she's she has been a real champion for age within the fashion industry. She said fashion has this youth mania, but 70-year-old ladies don't have 18-year-old bodies and 18-year-olds don't have a 70-year-old's dollars, which is so true. Yeah. And yeah. she's really been credited with other older women being celebrated within the fashion industry. So, you know, Joan Didion and Joni Mitchell have been cast in a lot of high fashion campaigns and she's really thought to have been somebody who's been really vocal about that. So yeah. So yeah. Cool. I just can't imagine anyone young even being able to get away with her outfits anyway. Mm. I feel like she you sort of need that face Definitely. on that outfit for it to work it's that slightly crazy old lady look yeah also like the wisdom Mm -hmm. and the experience like you look at her and you know some of that jacket might be from Prada but that bangle's probably from like Tibet Tibet or something you know that there's a story behind each and every piece and there's Mm. also there's no kind of suspicion of ulterior motive I think so you know there's so much backlash about like street star stars and people who kind of walk this you know sit in the front row that they're trying to kind of attract the attention of photographers or you've got an alternative agenda it's their business whereas for her it's so naturally it's so innate isn't it it's genuine it's so genuine and authentic and I think that is so refreshing to see somebody with you know that style without the agenda yeah definitely and I think that really just shows true style doesn't it Lou, who's your style icon? <laughs> Every picture of Francoise Hardy, she always looks absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a real minimalist, so, you know, denim and, and tees and a, a cute knit mm-hmm. has got me sold. So, and she's just got that sort of Thing. nonchalance yeah. to her look yeah. and just really, like, laid back and hasn't put too much effort into it. That's kind of my personal style, so. Well, mine has to be Blair Waldorf. She may be fictional, <laughs> but <laughs> that girl has a serious wardrobe. I don't feel like you channel Blair Waldorf. I know, I do in my I head. you should do a bit more. Maybe more. Are you allowed to have a style icon that you don't try and impersonate? Yeah, yeah. You can still admire. Yeah, Iris Atfield, I'd say, is is that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So iconic, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, that's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, please do rate, review and subscribe. And we'll see you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.